Good morning, Houston Northwest. How's everybody doing today? That was, that was kind of a step down, but okay, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. All right, here we go. Gospel of Luke chapter 14, verse 13 is where we're going to be today. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and take it out. Open it up, head over there to Luke 14, starting in verse 13. Um, as you're headed over there, guests, we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm senior pastor here, and we believe at Houston Northwest that our job is to make Houston more like heaven by helping Houstonians become more like Jesus. That's you. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, maybe you have been in church for 50 years, maybe you have never been in a church, and today is your very first time. Uh, you know everything about the Bible. You know nothing about the Bible. We want to help you take your next next step. So there's a couple of easy ways that you can do that. First way that you can let us know where you're at so we can help you take your next step. Look for the card that says connect in the seat pocket in front of you. Fill that out. And at the end of the service, whenever the offering basket comes in front of you, just drop that in there. Or if, you're, if you prefer a digital card, just look on the seat back in front of you. You might see a QR code. Use your phone to scan that QR code. It'll take you to a digital version of that card, and then you can get connected here. We're not going to spam you. We just want to help you take that next step so that you can follow the Lord. Um, as you're headed over to Luke 14 also, um, another announcement I want to make. Uh, we are taking a, a trip to the Holy Land in April, and I'm excited to get to lead that trip. And so if you would like to be part of that today after this service, Service, we are having a meeting over in room A-121. So that's this building right next door, the A building in room 121. And uh, we'll be giving out some information about that, answering any questions that you might have. And would love for you to join us on that trip uh, this coming April. All right, as you're headed over to Luke 14, let me give just a brief introduction to the Bible for those in the room who may be new to the Bible. So the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament tells us about God's chosen people, Israel, and their need. They're waiting for a rescuer, a redeemer. The Bible uses the word Messiah or Christ. So they anticipated that a military revolutionary would come and overthrow the Romans or whoever the oppressive government of the day might be, and then they would finally be their own nation. But what we find out whenever we get to the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, is that the Messiah, the Rescuer, the Redeemer, the Christ, is not a military revolutionary, but is instead God in flesh. Jesus, not a prophet, not a teacher, but instead God in flesh, comes to let us know that the true revolution comes because there is no nation that's defined by borders, but instead a people of God, which includes every nation, tribe, and tongue. All who have placed their faith in Jesus are joined together in this thing called the kingdom of God. And so Jesus comes teaching about the kingdom, how to live within that kingdom. And then he's killed at the end of his life. He's killed on a cross. Now that death made his believers in the day think that he must not have actually been the Messiah. They said, well, you know, if he was killed, he couldn't have been the real deal. But three days later, God raised him from the dead. And once he was raised from the dead, his believers then knew, his disciples then knew, oh, this Jesus really was the Messiah, and as a result, we can now follow him, and we can trust this way that he taught to live is the right way. So those of us here today, this is what we're doing. We're teaching the things that Jesus taught to live the way that he told us to live. 
We're placing our faith in his death for forgiveness of sins, and we're placing our faith in his resurrection for the promise of eternal life, and we're trusting that we can live day by day in the way that he taught because he fills each of us with his Holy Spirit. This good news is called the gospel, that we can have the power to live the life of heaven today here on earth. And so we come proclaiming that message, the same message that the church preached 2,000 years ago, and we want to invite you, if you're here today and you've never said yes to that, to join us in this way of life and to become part of the family of God here at Houston Northwest Church. Now, one of the very first believers was a man named Luke. Luke was a physician, and he followed Jesus around, and he recorded some of the things that Jesus did. And so this biography that Luke wrote about Jesus is called The Gospel of Luke, The Good News of Luke. And so we're going to read today in Luke chapter 14 a story that Jesus told. And so Jesus told a lot of stories, parables, to teach a lesson about who God is and about his kingdom. And so today, we're going to read one of these stories together. So I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to jump in. Okay, y'all ready? Four of us are ready. Here we go. All right. God, thank you for this opportunity to be together. And God, today, this is our prayer. We want to encounter you. Lord, it doesn't really matter how clever I am, how funny I am. Um, how insightful I am. The truth matters that it's, people aren't here to hear a preacher. They are here to encounter the living God. God, meet us in this place. Father, I pray that through my words, you would speak into every heart in this place and people would have a supernatural experience with you. So they would leave here and they would say, whenever I'm in that church, I meet with God. And Lord, today, I'm going to just pray right now. I'm going to ask God, I know that there are people in this room who have not surrendered to you today. And God, I'm going to pray that today you would call them out and that they would surrender. And that, Lord, we would see people respond to your graciousness even today. God, we want to see things beyond us in our day. And so, God, move in this place, we ask God, please. Break open our stone hearts. Break the fallow soil, Lord. Work among us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 13. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Then one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things. He said to him, blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he, this Jesus, told him, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who were invited, come, because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married and therefore I'm unable to come. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. Master, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who were invited will enjoy my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. 
So how about those Astros, huh? All right, yeah. All right, so did you guys see the video of the parade? Yeah, you saw that? That was downtown. Did anybody in this room actually go to the parade? Was that like one whistle maybe? Okay, anybody? Anybody go to the parade? Over here, okay. We got some, these are the party people, y'all, right over here. All right. Anybody else go to the parade? Okay, so here's the thing that I've discovered. There's a lot of people in our church, and w- one person went to the parade. All right. Now, here's the thing about that. So there's like, they said over a million people at the parade. You guys saw these pictures, right? I mean, just incredible. I mean, I love it. You know, just civic pride pouring out. And, you know, uh, you might see other victory parades in other cities where they do not care. That's not the case in Houston, right? I mean, Houston shows up. Houston's fired up. They're out there. Now, here's what we know. Some of us in this room went to the parade, right? Then there's others of us who said, I'll probably just watch it on TV. You know, two kinds of people, right? The people who want to be there and the people who are like, that's probably going to be a little too much hassle, We're just going to kind of hang out and watch, right? So I think we've established what type of group this room is, okay? (laughs) Here's the thing about that. Um, I I loved watching the parade on uh, on TV. I did not make my way down there. But I I love seeing that, just incredible. Here's the thing that I was thinking about as I was watching it, you know, just seeing some of the videos, people going crazy down there, is that whenever we look at that, we look at that celebration, most of us would not think that the Astros victory parade is an excellent metaphor for heaven. You know, most of us have just a very different picture of heaven in our heads, don't we? It's like, we show up, here's your individual cloud, and here's your, here's your individual sized harp, and uh, here's your miniature wings, and now you float around on this, and you just listen to like kind of elevator music worship songs, and then one day it just keeps going, right? You know, it's like that. We're like, wow. But I mean, the picture here in Luke 14 is a party that's being thrown and that we are invited into the party. And it seems like, you know, only one of us in the room is really ready to party. So what I'm trying to tell you is that God wants his church to be people who want to join in. In fact, you've heard the phrase, life of the party. The truth of this passage is, is that our life is in the party, the party of the kingdom of God. And I want to talk about that today. The thing that I notice about this passage, and I'm sure you notice it too, is that there's people who are invited, but for whatever reason, they don't come. Now, you have to ask the question, why is it that they choose not to come? Why would it be that they would be invited to this party and not come? Let's talk about that for just a second. So these people who are invited, we don't get tons of details about the banquet, but apparently this is going to be a posh affair. And so these are the people who have the yachts and the second homes, and these are the people who take the glamorous vacations. These are the people who have the clothes that we wish that we could afford. These are those people who are invited to this banquet, and it now comes time to come to the party. And so the master sends his servant out to go. So this is in the day before the Evite, right? So you can't just send an Evite. So he sends the servant into the village. Okay, the party is now ready. Let's go. And did you notice what the text says? Without exception, without exception, they begin to make excuses. Now, the Greek word there is actually a little harsher than that. It's like they blew him off. They didn't even care. One of them says, well, you know, I just bought a field. I need to go check it out. Another one says, you know, I just got five teams of oxen. I need to check that out. Another one says, I just got married. Now, here's the thing. 
no shame in getting a field or having oxen or getting married, but they're blowing off the party. What's the point? And here's the first thing I want us to hear today. We miss out on the life in the party sometimes because we have too much going on. This is the first thing I think we learn if we want to be part of God's cosmic party is that we must avoid busyness. Avoid busyness. Carl Jung famously said, it's not that busyness is of the devil, busyness is the devil. Many of us in this room miss out on what God is trying to do because we think that we have something more satisfying than what is being offered. I want us to just think about this party for a second. Now, we, we don't really know what was going to happen at this party, but I mean, apparently it was going to be a crazy good banquet. I mean, it's the, it's the invitation of the year, of the, of the century or whatever. And at this party to which everyone has been invited, these people who already have a lot decide that whatever they have in their hand is more interesting than what's going to happen at the banquet. And this is the thing that I've noticed. There's really two, two things that keep people from wanting to join in the kingdom party. This is the first thing. We think that what we have is more interesting than what God is going to offer. Or we just think that the kingdom probably isn't that interesting in the first place. To put it in kind of a shorthand way, the people who choose not to go to the banquet are the sorts of people who have enough means to satisfy their cravings and their longings with their own abilities. I'm not the first preacher to point out the fact that the American church has been on decline it's also, I'm also not the first person to point out the fact that the church's decline is often tied to our increase in affluence. As the church has become wealthier in the United States, we have more options, we can buy more clothes, go on more trips, as we can go and be foodies and try different restaurants and have the opportunity to have different experiences, we choose often to neglect the things of God because we believe that those things are more interesting than what it is that God is offering to us. I think that a lot of people think that the way that the church will be defeated is through the great bang of a culture war, but I tend to think that the way that the gospel loses its power is not with a bang, but is instead with the silent scrolling of our smartphones as we plan our next vacation and make our next online purchase because we have so much purchasing power. Many of us are missing out on the banquet. Now, we don't know exactly who the banquet represents in Luke chapter 14. Some people have theorized it's Israel, God's chosen people choosing to miss the Messiah. Others have said that Jesus is simply talking about any who would be called in, who would choose to believe that they have the power in their own hand to meet their own needs. And really, either of those would be fine. Here's the thing. All of us can actually identify with these people, can't we? How many of us have agreed to go to an event, and then the day of the event, we're sitting around thinking, I do not want to go to that Maybe I feel, do I feel bad? I think I feel bad. Can I say that I feel bad? Do I feel bad enough to say that? Right? Then you're like, man, I can't post any pictures online for the next 24 hours. Got to really play up this sick thing. Don't want them to know, right? 
Now, when you're an adult, right, we, we jam-pack our schedules. We have so much going on. And I think that one of the things that's interesting is that many of us perceive the kingdom as one more, one more thing that happens in a series of events that just get plugged into an already packed schedule. That is not the way to think of the kingdom of God. This sermon is not about church attendance. This sermon is, are you making yourself available for God to move, or are you so busy that you miss out whenever God starts to whisper in your ear or tap on your shoulder through the Holy Spirit, and you can't join in the party because you've got too much going on? I think the thing that's interesting to me is that so many of us have so much money, so much ability, so many options, so much power that we do not think that what God would do would be that much better than what we already have in our hand. Now, I want to be clear. The field, the oxen, the marriage, I mean, these things aren't bad, obviously. These are parts of God's good grace gifts that he gives us among creation. But the truth of the matter is, is that we can get our relationship to creation so out of whack that we begin to treat creation like it's a drug of sorts that fulfills our needs. So we go looking for what Seth Haynes calls the whiz-bang. Right, I'm feeling sad. Let me eat some tortilla chips. I'll get the whiz-bang. I'm feeling sad. Let me buy something online. Let me get the whiz-bang. I'm feeling sad. Let me go be with some people. Let me get the whiz-bang. Or, you know, you get the point. Go on. And so what happens is, is that we start to look at creation to fulfill the desire that's within our heart. And the truth of the matter is, is that the kingdom of God has been offered and the king who's throwing this party is saying, this will satisfy the deepest cravings of your heart if you will come and join in. And we're looking around going, man, I wish that there was just some place that I could find the things that would fulfill my cravings. And we're bouncing from activity to activity and from thing to thing whenever the very thing that would satisfy our soul is being offered to us in the first place. We are trying to feed ourselves whenever food that would satisfy our, our cravings is being set before us. Now, the thing that's interesting about this is that we have convinced ourselves that the kingdom of God is actually going to be a snooze fest. You know, I mean, Jesus is like, I'm throwing a rager, everybody, come on. And we're like, eh, Jesus doesn't throw ragers. The truth of the matter is, is that many of us have missed out on the power of the kingdom because we have not bought into the truth that the Scripture teaches that God wants us to experience his joy and his pleasure. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to maybe sound counterintuitive to you, but listen to this quote from Robert Farrar Capone. I love this. Last week, Kirk preached an incredible sermon on Luke 15. Y'all love that last week? It's so good. Right. Now listen to this. Robert Farrar Capone, talking about Luke 15, says this. The fatted calf proclaims that the party is what the Father's house is all about. Just as Jesus, the dead and risen bridegroom, proclaims that an eternal bash is what the universe is all about. Listen to this sentence. Creation is not ultimately about religion or spirituality or morality or reconciliation or any other solemn subject. It's about God having a good time and just itching to share it. God is having a great time in heaven right now and he wants you to join him. Now, why do we miss this? We miss it because we're struggling I mean, life is hard. 
We're going through valleys. We have curveballs thrown at us all the time. You know, things that are just crazy happen to us. And we say, how can God be saying, let's have a good time when these bad things are happening to me? I want you to hear me. Listen. The way that the world is designed, the way the universe works, is that there is a veil of glory that is set before us, and we cannot see what's on the other side of it. But one day, whenever we breathe our last and shuffle off this mortal coil, whenever that happens, we will go to the other side of the veil, and we will finally see the cosmic party that has been raging for millennia. And it's happening right now. Jesus comes into the world and proclaims the kingdom. Why? As an invitation to let you know, listen to me, that you can taste the party today. Now, that doesn't mean that it's complete. It won't be complete until the day that the veil is removed and either Jesus comes back or we step into glory. But until that happens, when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he is saying you can experience the party of heaven today. The day that you place your faith in Jesus, the day that you surrender your heart and your life to him, the Holy Spirit fills your life and you now walk with a purpose, a joy, a peace, and a pleasure that the rest of the world cannot understand or even explain. Because whenever you know what your eventual destination is and you start to live that destination here and now, you start to live a way that is incredible. You start to live this just incredible life right here, right now. You start to live it out. And as you do, you get to taste the glory of heaven while on earth. You get to live the party now. So the truth of the life is this. You will have no more pleasure, listen to me, you will have no more pleasure on this planet than choosing to follow Jesus. We think, man, if I can just have as much sex as possible, if I can watch all of the shows on Netflix, if I could go eat at the best restaurants, if I could make the most money, if I could get in the best shape of my life, if I could finally read all of the books, or if I could finally achieve that one goal, that bucket list item, whatever that thing is, we think if we could get that, then we would finally find that satisfaction. And what the scripture is screaming out is that satisfaction is only found in Jesus Christ and the deepest pleasures of our heart will be found in him. That's the thing. You will find no deeper pleasure on this planet than following Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute, Steve. You've told me that following Jesus is hard. Well, yes, it is. Life will be hard whether you follow Jesus or whether you don't follow Jesus, but only one gives you spiritual, supernatural satisfaction. That's where the pleasure comes from. Whenever you can walk in the darkest of valleys and have that spiritual, supernatural pleasure, that is a thing that you can only get at the kingdom banquet. That's the only thing that you can get. What I want you to hear today, listen to me. Literally, this is not a metaphor. Literally, there is nothing better in this world than Jesus Christ. Nothing better. Jesus is the best of all. Years ago, we made shirts here at Houston Northwest that just said, Jesus is better. And one day, we were wearing those out and about, and somebody said, then what? And we said, Whatever. Because he is better than whatever you might imagine. So if we avoid busyness, okay, if we avoid busyness and we say, okay, I'm not going to try to feed myself 
with fame or with power or chasing after things, right? Because these people thought, I've got something that's probably as good as the kingdom banquet, but they missed out on it. So if we say, nope, I'm not going to chase those other things. I'm not going to try to feed my own self. I'm not going to try to feed myself. What, what do I do now? What happens? Well, so the next thing that happens is, is that instead of avoiding busyness, now we turn to the positive and we start to pursue availability. Pursue availability. The people who have something better going on miss out. Now, here's the thing that just blows me away. Do you notice this? We start to choose availability. What happens? So the servant goes, he announces. All these people are like, eh, not interested. So then he goes back and the master says, I want you to go and find the blind and the lame and the maimed and the poor and bring them in. Now, what do those people have in common? Two things. Are you ready? Two things. Number one. Their calendars are clear. The maimed guy does not have a big social status plan for the week, right? I mean, he is wide open. Like, could you come to the party tonight? Let me check. Yes, I am wide open. Thank you very much, okay? Number one, they are available. Number two, they are hungry. See, the other people, they thought that they could feed themselves, right? Oxen, field, marriage, whatever. But the blind and the lame and the maimed and the poor, they are ready to eat. And honestly, they just would love a crust of bread. Can you imagine? Are you hungry? Well, yeah, I'm hungry. I could eat. Yeah, okay. Would you like to come over? You know, we're going to have dinner. Yes, of course. And then they walk in and boom. I mean, this is not like, hey, we, we drove through Whataburger on the way right? This is tomahawk ribeye. This is lobster tail. This is shrimp cocktail. This is the fanciest of champagnes are flowing. We have everything that you want. The party is on. They're walking and going, you notice that I'm poor and maimed, right? They don't get these invitations. They say, no, no, no. You come in. Why do they get to come in? Because they are available. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, one of the most well-known verses in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah gets a vision of the Lord, his train of his, uh, the train of, of his robe filling the temple. And they cry out, who will go and who can we send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Now listen, here's the thing. It's not that Isaiah is qualified. Why does Isaiah say send me? Because he's there. That's it. Abram, Moses, David, Isaiah, what makes them qualified? Nothing. They're just there. Do you think that Peter was qualified to follow Jesus? Absolutely not. He just happened to say yes. How many of us have been invited into the great things of God and we have said, well, actually, I've got big plans tonight, Jesus. Sorry about that. The blind and the maimed and the poor and the lame are available. They're available. And did you notice that after he brings them in, he's like, well, there's still room. And he says, well, we're not going to let these other jokers come in because they told me no. So now you go out, and what I want you to do, I want you to go out and I want you to go to the highways and the hedges, or in the old version, the highways and the byways. 
And you go find the people and you bring them in until this whole place is filled. Because the people who think they can feed themselves, fine, let them feed themselves. They are not going to get what I have to offer. I want the people who are hungry, who could never feed themselves to come in here and enjoy this. And those are the people who are most available. Are you available to the Lord? What would you say would be a good measurement of availability in the Christian life? I think one of them, it's probably not the only one, but I think one of them is prayer. Prayer is the thing where we meet with God, we experience peace, connection, we repent of our sin, we see God move, we seek him in miracles. God moves through prayer, amen? Yeah, we see God move through prayer. And yet, have you noticed that Americans struggle with prayer more than anything else? Why is that? Because we like to do stuff. And prayer is the admission that we can't do anything apart from Christ. I'm asking for God to do spiritual awakening in Houston Northwest in my lifetime. I want to see things in this place that we cannot describe. I want to see people come to faith that walk in here like I'm a hard atheist. And then God just breaks in. I want to see people come into this room just ready to respond. God has already prepared their hearts. I want to see people just moving, people healed. I want to see just inexplicable moves of God in my lifetime. Do you know that God has never done anything like that in a place where prayer did not precede it? Because prayer orients the heart towards God and says, hey, God, I'm available. Now, you know this. You know this. You have had people in your life that you've invited to hang out, right? You've said, hey, can we do this or do that? And like they turn you down. How many times do they have to turn you down before finally you're like, you know what? They either don't want to hang out or they're too busy. And what do you do? You move on to somebody else. How many times does the Lord have to say, hey, I'm here. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I'm calling you into this before finally we just miss it. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go hang out with somebody who wants to hang out with me. I think that prayer is a beautiful demonstration of our availability. I heard a sermon by John Tyson, pastor of Church of the City in New York. and had this question that he said over and over. It's just been haunting me. And the question that he asked in this sermon was, what's it going to take to make you a person of prayer? And he pointed out the fact that the American church is on decline. More people are abandoning the faith whenever they go to college than ever before. Talks about the increased secularization of the, of the country. And that many people are content to simply manage the slow decline of the church on their watch. The only way that this is going to turn around, y'all, it's not going to be because Steve stands up and preaches a great sermon. The only way it's going to happen is because God Almighty moves in a supernatural way and awakens hearts in this church and in our city. It's the only way it's going to happen. How do we see that? Because we cry out to God in prayer. We make ourselves available. We say, God, do something in our day that we could never see. God, do something that we could never do. I would love it if we would just orient our hearts towards the Lord and say, God, we are available here and now today. If you ever feel discouraged or frustrated with your life, I think a great question to ask yourself is this, am I making myself available for the work of the kingdom through Jesus Christ? 
I mean, it's a rich irony, right? We're, we're, we're all wandering around trying to find something that will satisfy us when the thing that satisfies us has already been offered. So we avoid busyness and we, we pursue availability. Now, here's the thing that I want you to hear. The people who think that they can feed themselves, they miss out. And the people who admit that they're hungry, they get brought in. What's the thing? What's the thing that's separating them there? And this is the thing that I want to I just mention and talk about here at the close, which is this, is that as we come into the banquet, what we begin to discover is that the banquet is all about grace. And I want to read a verse to you that's the verse right before Jesus starts the parable in verse 13. He says, on the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Here's what I want you to hear. Jesus is throwing a party for people who cannot throw the party for themselves. Like, you cannot throw this party. I want you to think of just the most lavish, extravagant thing that you've ever seen on TV or in a movie, right? And you know that, you know, this Hollywood budget, they got to blow thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on this party. And you know, you know, your idea of a wicked cool night is like we ordered two pizzas tonight, you guys. I mean, it got crazy, okay? And you're looking at this going, man, I could never, could never throw this party. That is beyond me. I don't have the means to do that. And what Jesus says is, you're right. You can't throw that party, but I can. And here's the great news. I'm going to throw it from now until forever. And as long as you say that you want to be part of it, you're invited in. Has anybody here ever had the unfortunate incident of noticing that everybody was invited to a party except for you? the worst, right? But what Jesus is saying is everyone is invited to this banquet. Even the people who honestly don't get these invites, everyone is invited. See, the poor, the blind, the maimed, and the lame are just a metaphor for the people in this room who think, well, God wouldn't want somebody like me. No, 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 no. God wants exactly you. That's the purpose of this parable, to show you that God is coming after everyone. Everyone is invited. Now, some of us will choose not to go, but the thing about this parable, the people who are in need are not the ones who typically reject the invitation. The ones who reject the invitation are the ones who think that they have something better to do. But God wants to bring you in, and he wants to invite you in now. And this is what grace is. Grace is God throwing a party for you that you can never throw for yourself and then letting you stay at the party from now through all of eternity. That is grace. Now, I want you just to understand how lavish grace is. This party is so soaked in grace that grace is the backbeat of the music to which the people are dancing. Grace is the caviar that is on the spread. Grace is the ball gown and the tuxedo. Grace is everything that when you close your eyes and envision this party that makes this party attractive because God is doing something that you could never do that's so extravagant and so lavish we would never be able to do it for ourselves and God says, I love you so much that I'm going 
going to throw a party that I want to bring you in and invite you. And I want us to live as a family together for all of eternity where we celebrate the fact that I created this world freely and that now I get to enjoy and love my creation into perpetuity. That's what God wants. He wants to bring you in. And he made a way through Jesus Christ. Jesus is entering into this world as God saying yes to humanity. Jesus' death on a cross is him bridging the chasm to cross our sin. And Jesus' resurrection is him promising that he can defeat death and usher us into eternity and says, come and join me on the dance floor and let's party forever. The wedding supper of the Lamb is not a solemn feast. The wedding supper of the Lamb is an absolute throwdown. And God wants you to be part of it. You will never experience deeper pleasure in this life than following Jesus Christ. And you are bound for eternity. And the hope is is that you will join me and the countless other saints, the great cloud of witnesses, in celebrating the revelry and the graciousness of our God from now until eternity. The thing is... Is that God has no desire to turn anyone away. And do you notice? He doesn't turn anyone away. The only people who miss out on the party are the people who choose to opt out themselves. The only people who miss the party are the people who think that they have something better going on. Can you imagine being invited to the party of the millennium? where they are doing the craziest party that you could ever imagine, and you're like, no, I'm good. I would rather watch Netflix on my phone. This is what people are choosing. And he's like, wait a minute, I don't think you understand. We killed the fatted calf for this. This is the greatest party of all time, and you're missing out. Why? Well, you know, I I heard that if I follow Jesus, i got to give up some things. Did you not hear what I just told you? We're throwing the greatest party of all time. Yeah, but isn't it going to be kind of hard to follow Jesus? Did you hear what I just said? The greatest party of all time. Yeah, you're going to leave behind some of the stuff that's messing up the party to be brought into the great banquet. Don't you want to be brought in? I think the thing that I want you to hear is that as we move away from busyness and make ourselves availability, make ourselves available, we begin to see the grace of God more and more clearly. You know this. As you slow down and as you make yourself available to God, you begin to find that you see his grace breaking through. And what I want to challenge you with today is to hear this, that God is inviting everyone in this city to the supper of the Lamb. So for those of us who have already said yes, let's enjoy it. Let's make ourselves available to revel with our God day by day. For those of us who have yet to say yes, stop believing that you have something that will bring you more pleasure. Set it down and come pick up the gift that God has for you. And once you've done it, go and invite other people to come and join in because God wants Every person to know his grace. Every person to know his grace. Make yourself available to him because Jesus has made himself available to you.
Let's respond for just a moment. Would you bow your head with me? If you bow your head right now, I just want to give you an opportunity to think about what you've heard today. I think that God was preparing hearts before we even got out of bed this morning. And he's preparing some of us to hear this word and to know that today would be the day that we would choose to join in. We would choose to join in the party. Some of us have been tricking ourselves and saying that we have something that's worth, worth more or better. And today I want to challenge you to just lay that down. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask, nobody looking around, if today you said, you know, Steve, I've heard this. And today what I want to do is I want to finally say, yes, I'm ready to trust Jesus for the first time and to step into eternity with him and to begin to follow him today. Ready to place your faith in him. Would you just raise your hand up Say, today's my day. I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus. Who's here ready to place their faith in Jesus? Would you raise your hand up right now and just say, that's me? Raise it up high where we can see it. Okay. For those of us who are here today, who said, Steve, my problem is not that I haven't said yes to the party, but I have not made myself available to the Lord to be used. I've been doing so much that I've missed out whenever he's been whispering, here, let's do this together. I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand and say, Steve, I want to be more available to be used by the Lord if that's you. Just raise up your hand. Okay. Anybody else, you can just raise them up for me. Father, for, for those in this room who are just hearing your voice speak to them today, pray that you would speak, and Lord, then that you would move and show them how to respond. Uh, that they would, they would make themselves available. That they would take a step towards you today. That they would say that they want to revel with you. God, I thank you for this church. Father, for any who are here now ready to place their faith in you, that they would do so. Father, for any who are ready to take a step towards you, that they would do so. And God, for those of us who said yes, that God, that we would not ever rest on our own abilities, but instead would recognize our hunger and our need to be fed by you. God, we pray this, asking believing that you still want to throw a party with us and bring us in. And God, we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. So glad that you joined us online today at Houston Northwest Church, where our vision is to make Houston more like heaven by helping Houstonians become more like Jesus. If you have questions about following Jesus or would like to talk to someone about next steps in your spiritual journey, text Jesus to 281-946-6500. Connect with us throughout the week by following us on social and enjoy a great day.